0: You're listening to audio from Kingsway Christian Church. If you'd like to check out more resources or donate to this ministry, please visit kingswaychurch.org. Good morning, church. We want to welcome everybody watching at home online right now. Also, as Brett already shared in the service earlier, we had a lot of people tuning in throughout the week and throughout the day, some from all over the United States and the world. And so we're really glad that you're tuning in with us, whether you're here or there. And uh, aren't you glad it's 2021 And yet, doesn't it feel the same? And so, don't you wanna know what God is gonna do this year? If God had come to you on January 1st, 2020 said, oh, by the way, this is gonna be here like you have never seen before. There's gonna be all kinds of viruses and pandemics. Businesses are gonna close down. The world will be totally different than the one you grew up in than the one you've experienced the last few years. And oh, by the way, murder hornets. Are you ready for 2020? You would have said, right? Is this a dream? Like what's happening? But here we are 2021 and we don't know what this year is gonna look like. There's predictions that say the virus could be flaming out in the next couple months. I literally heard an expert say that, and yet then there's all this news that says, oh, no, 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 earliest, we're looking at this fall, and this thing may be with us forever, just like the Spanish flu or whatever that's now around, and here we are 100 years, whatever, later. I am not a doctor. I don't even play one on TV, though I just gave medical advice and I'm on a screen, so do what you want with that. But my point here is we have no idea what to expect, but there are certain things we can always expect. And I wanna cover those things today and throughout this series. This series is intended to move you towards the heart of God and what God wants to do in the world through you. As a pastor now for a little over 20 years, uh, I know I I, I look so young, you can't imagine how that's possible, but I started when I was like two. So uh, as a pastor now of over 20 years, the number one question I get when I meet with people is, what does God wanna do with my life? We have this generic belief that God is somehow upstairs in heaven like a puppet master, pulling these strings over our life. And if we could just see it, understand it, act in a certain way, do the right things, maybe somehow we could fulfill that destiny. And it brings up all kinds of phenomenal questions for us about God's sovereignty and fate and free will and the interaction of those things. And I wanna kind of weave in and out of those things over the next four weeks as I challenge you to think about 2021, and what God wants to do through you, in you, wherever you might find yourself, whether at home or here right now. I remember I was leading a Bible study at my last church. Uh, it was for the, for the staff, and they brought all the staff together, and uh, I did this challenge. I went to this story. I don't know if you know this story, so let me tell you to you quickly. There's a story where Jesus tells the disciples to get on the boat and to cross the water. He says, I'll meet you on the other side. And Jesus goes up on the mountain to pray and spend some time with God. When he's done in his quiet time with God, he comes down off the mountain and he starts walking across the water to the other side. Now, real quick note, if you're visiting with us, if you're watching online, you're not even sure you believe in Jesus. You don't even know if there is a God. And you hear a story like this and you say, see, that's why I think the Bible is stupid. Let me just always say, or let me say again what I always say, which is if you can get to the point where you believe Jesus rose from the dead, walking on the water is not that hard. So if you can nail that first one down and there are some phenomenal resources to walk you through, can I trust that Jesus actually rose that? Everybody believed he was here. Everybody believed he died. The question is, did he come back to life? And if he did, it's a game changer. Now in the story, the way the Bible tells it, he's walking, woo, watch out for that. He's walking on the water and the disciples are in the boat and they look out and they see a figure walking toward them. And they begin to wonder, is this a ghost or a spirit or something else? And one person in the boat, a guy named Peter, he's just quite bold enough to do something about it. So he looks out and he says, Lord, if that's you, tell me to come to you. And Jesus says, bring it. Okay, it's not real. It's in the Greek. All right. But he says, come on. And Peter gets out of the boat. He puts a foot on the water and he starts walking toward Jesus. Now, I had just read a book at that time by a guy named John Ortberg. He says, if you want to walk on water, you got to get out of the boat. That's the name of the book. And I was moved by what he was saying. And the whole point is, there were other disciples that day who never walked on the water. You know why? Because they didn't get out of the boat. They stayed stuck. And I asked this staff, I was on staff at a church, I asked them a question just like this. If money was not an issue... What would you do with the rest of your life? And one of my staff members says, I would go be a missionary. He's the very first person to speak. And I said, we need to talk later. And we went to lunch and I'm like, what is going on? He's like, I don't know. I've never thought about it in my life. And I said, you need to start thinking about it. If before you even have a thought in your head, the very first words out of your mouth is I need to quit everything I'm doing and go do this then you better pursue that and find out what God is up to. But let me ask you the same question for a moment right now. If money was not an issue, right? Like no holds barred here. What would you do with the rest of your life? Now you may not be ready to answer that question as it sits here today. You may have no idea. And that's why we wanna do this series. So I will challenge you this week, I will challenge you today to go think about this, put some plans down. I'm gonna share with you some of my ideas for this year. I've got some others I won't have time for. I'll put some handles on it for you. But throughout this series, I'm gonna give you some homework. You may come back, say, oh, I need a little more insight. Each week, we're gonna talk about this a little bit more. So you're gonna to wanna to be here. If you're gonna be out of town, you get sick, whatever, make sure you tune in online so you can get a little bit more, a little bit more, and a little bit more. Now, I am basing a lot of this off a book that I recently read by a pastor named Craig Groeschel, and the book is called Cazon, Cazon. Here is the book and what it actually looks like, and uh, the whole idea is discover and pursue God's purpose for your life. The book is very good, very helpful, and they actually have an entire website at life.church slash kazone, right there. You can actually go and they have all kinds of useful tools and, and resources for you to fill out and go through these things. Make sure you get this real quick. So it's life.church slash kazone. And you can Google that if you can't remember that, just Life church kazone, and it'll pop up for you. Really, really good and helpful stuff. So I'm gonna give you three principles today they are gonna walk you through this and I'm gonna give you some of mine. Principle number one, ready? God is always at work. I kind of thought that might get a cheer or something. Let's try to get ready. We'll make it sound like it was this big reveal. Like you didn't know this one. Ready? God is always at work. Thank you. I appreciate that. I was still a little weak. You were doing it because I asked. But second principle, you're with me, right? Second principle, I'm not gonna have to ask. All right. First thing I want you to get is this. So here, let me make this practical for a second. Do you believe that God was at work in 2020? Did you ever wonder? Did you ever think to yourself, God, what are you doing? Like, if I were in charge of the world, God, this is not how I would be doing this. But see, when you believe that God is at work in every area of your life, then when you go check out of the grocery store, you believe God is at work in the person checking you out. Did you know that? And when that car cuts you off and you are ready to encourage them and tell them they're number one in the world... Did you know that God is at work in that person's life? Huh. And when your brother drives you bonkers. You just got together with him at Christmas or New Year's, right? Thanksgiving, you know what I'm talking about. Did you know God is at work in that? And when your spouse is doing something that just makes you angry, did you know that God is actually at work in them? And when your kids are frustrating you up one side and down the other, did you know that God is at work there? And when there's a virus that is raging throughout the world, God is at work. Now, what I'm not saying, and I'll just give you one little handle real quick. What I'm not saying is God is the cause of everything. That makes God the puppet master pulling every string. What I will say is nothing happens on God's earth without his sovereign rule over it. So either he allowed it to happen or he caused it to happen, and he rarely tells us which it is. That doesn't mean that every cancer or every car accident is God going, watch this, We don't see that in scripture. In fact, Romans 8 tells us that the world is out of control because of sin. It's not the way that God intended it. But is God still at work? Is God still at work with you, in you, when things aren't going the way you hoped, thought, or planned that they would go? Now, there's many passages, a plethora of passages that I could show you. Let me show you one. Psalm 33, verse 11 says this. But the Lord's plans stand firm forever. Forever. His intentions can never be shaken. Meaning, the second part, the best efforts of the most evil people in the world cannot thwart what God is up to. He is at work. And he's literally at your work. And he's literally in your life and in your home. Have any of you lost sight of that along the way? Maybe you're not sure because you don't have faith yet in God. I need to give you this anchor for your soul that you can trust that God is good all of the time. You hear me say this, right? Like somebody sent me an email recently to encourage me and and just said, hey, I just wanted you to know I appreciate you. I feel like you say this thing all the time. I'm like, good, you're hearing it. I do. I say this all the time. God is good. So even in the hurt, even in the pain, even in the suffering, God is good. I don't know about you. Over this last week, I read a lot of news articles because I had some time off and I was reading about these young senators, like they're their early forties. I mean, they're young and they passed away. Do you hear about this? Some government officials got COVID and died. And I thought to myself, man, I'm, I'm close to that age. And, um, I keep thinking like I'm okay because I'm healthy and whatever, but so were they. And for a moment, fear crept into my heart. What would happen to my family if I were to get sick and not be here anymore? And the very next thought to come into my mind was, Matt, am I still good? I'm like, I'm not even sick. And those are the fears that sometimes jump into my mind. Do you know what this feels like? If God is good and God has plans and God is at work and nothing can thwart them, then you can get up tomorrow and do whatever God has planned for you to do. Well, how do I know what God has planned for me to do? Well, the first thing you got to do is you got to believe that God actually has plans for you to do. So that leads us to the second leadership principle, which you're ready for, right? All right, here we go. Second leadership principle. God is always at work, and he intends to use you. Woo! Starting to sound like, uh, I don't know, like a TED Talk or something where everybody's prepped to cheer. All right, anyway, this isn't a TED Talk. This is Bible 101. God is at work in the world, but guess how he's doing his work? Through us. Through you. Did you know that? No, God has many resources available to him. He could raise up a rock to do what he's asked you to do, but he asked you to do it. Are you with me? He doesn't Need you, but he intends to use you, and we see this throughout the scriptures. God calls a man named Jonah, and he says, "I want you to go to Nineveh, and I want you to tell them to repent, because otherwise, I'm going to come and discipline them." And Jonah doesn't want to go. And if you understand the book of Jonah, you may not. It's fascinating why Jonah doesn't want to go. It's because the Ninevites are the bad guys. This would be like God saying to you, I, "I'm trying. I don't know. Back and say 9/11." when these planes were flown into some buildings in the United States, and God said to you, I want you to go love and serve the people in Iraq. And you go, no, if you're gonna go get them, get them, hurt them, destroy them, punish them, I'm not going because Jonah knows if I go, they might repent. And if they repent, I know you, God, you'll forgive them. And if you forgive them, then they won't get what they deserve. And God's going, no, see, that's exactly who I am. I want to be the same God to everybody that I am to you, Jonah. I want to show everybody mercy. I want to show everybody grace. But what's the bigger point? God's doing it through who? Jonah. Now, did God tell Noah to build a boat? Yes. Yes. Could God have asked somebody else to build a boat? Well, I suppose he could have, but he asked Jonah. Did God ask Moses to go back into Egypt and lead the people out of slavery? Yes. Could God have raised up a different leader? I suppose he could have. But did he? No. He chose Moses. He chose Elijah. He chose Jonah. And he's choosing you. But choosing you to do what? There's this little passage in Ephesians chapter 2 where Paul's reflecting all this. And he says in verse 10 For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Okay, let that once again for a minute. God has a plan for your life. Now, what you're going to find is you're going to meet a lot of people who have plans for your life. You're going to meet your parents. They've got a plan for your life, right? I always thought you'd take over the family business. I always thought you'd become this or that. I always thought you'd go and do. You're going to meet a pastor. I've heard of these guys. And they're going to say something like, did you know we really need help over here? And I think that's what God's telling you to do. Maybe it is. You're going to meet a boss, a coworker, somebody, a coach. You know what God wants to do in you? But there's only one person who could speak for God. Who is that? Me, I mean God, right? There's only one person who can speak for God God. Do you know what God wants to do through you? I was listening yesterday. We were coming back from Ohio. We got back yesterday, went and see my family. And uh were grave was a great trip, it was wonderful, but I was listening to some podcasts. I like to do that. That's when my kids are asleep in the car and the wife's asleep in the car, I keep my brain busy and I love to learn. I just love to learn more about God. And there was nothing in these podcasts that I probably haven't already said, so it wasn't anything new, but the way they said it was new and the Holy Spirit used it to get me. And they were talking about some of these kinds of passages and he made this point. He said, go and look at the passages in the Bible where God, or sorry, where Paul especially talks about work. And often what he's talking about is work in everyday life. So he starts talking to fathers and husbands and mothers and wives and employees. Sometimes it looks like, Slaves, Because almost all the slaves in the New Testament were indentured servants. They'd accrued a debt that they had to pay off so they were working for the people that they borrowed the money for. And in all those situations, he says, go be Jesus. Go work hard. Whatever you're doing, do it for the glory of the Lord. But then we get these other passages, like here in Ephesians chapter two and first Corinthians chapter, uh, really 12 through 13 or so, maybe 11 through 13. And what we get is Paul saying, but there's another kind of work that we do, and that is partnering with God to bring the kingdom of of heaven to earth. And so we're told, live as foreigners on this earth. This world is not our home. This is another world we're living for. So in all that we say and in all that we do and at all moments and at all times, we're bringing heaven to earth through the way that we live grace and love and mercy and discipline and forgiveness because God intends to use us in everyday life and the everyday things, not just when we gather on a Sunday morning in a building or at home in front of a TV screen. Are you with me? So then how do I know what God wants to do through me in 2021? Well, I know this. Isaiah 32, eight says this. But the noble make noble plans and by noble deeds, they stand. An old translation of the Bible is the one that I was taught this verse out of. And they added one phrase that we've taken out so that it fits a wider group. And I feel like it, it, it wraps better, like it rolls off the tongue better. Does that make sense? And that is this. But the noble man makes noble plans, and by noble deeds they stand. Now, when it says man, it means mankind, but I realize today it's like not a popular thing to say. He means everybody. But when you say man and plan, it rhymes, right? So that's the way I always remember it. I encourage you to just find a way to remember this. But the noble man makes noble plans, and by noble deeds they stand. The whole idea here is God intends to work through you working with him. He intends for you to say, God, I don't know why, But I have these desires on my heart this year. God, I don't know why, but I sense you're up to this in the world. Now, that's not the final word. It's the first word. What I did is I've been kicking this around in my head for about a month or so. I've been reading this book. I've been praying and asking questions. And I just started testing some of these things with my wife. Hey, wife, here's what I think God is saying to me this year. These things influence our family. Are you feeling, sensing, hearing any of these same things? Are you seeing any of these same ideas coming about? Now, the ones that involve my whole family, she has to be a part of. The ones that involve me, my walk with God, I just go to her and say, I'm seeing this in me. Are you seeing this in me? I want your affirmation, because nobody knows me, loves me quite like you do. I want to hear the voice of God, but I also believe God has surrounded me with other people who are good and godly people. They have his spirit too, and I wanna let them speak into it. So I'm gonna take just a few minutes. I'm gonna share with you, not all, but just a few of the things that God has put on my heart to give you some thoughts, some direction, because throughout this series, I'm gonna keep pushing you to think about some things, all right? This isn't just, I wanna lose 10 pounds by the end of February. You buy a membership for the year and then you never do it again. I'm talking about what does God wanna do through you this year? The number one thing that I know, God wants me to become more like Jesus every year. Every year, every year. And man, I'm so close compared to what I was 10 years ago, but I am not close to where I want to be yet. And yeah, I don't feel good about saying that as your pastor but I trust God's grace is so good. He's still driving my life. He's still correcting me. Sometimes he has to discipline me because he loves me. So here's one of the things, and God led me to, and, and I'll give you more of the story in just a moment in one of these points, but recently God led me to. Matt, I want you to read the fruits of the Spirit. This comes out of Galatians chapter five, and in Galatians five, Paul gives two different kinds of fruit. There's the fruit of the flesh, And then there's the fruit of the spirit. The word for flesh in the Bible is the Greek word sarx. And I'll get to why I think that's relevant in a moment. But the whole idea is flesh here. And you can either live out of your flesh and then whatever your best effort, whatever your best energy is, it is what it is. But then if we walk in step with God every day, what we will do is we'll become more like Jesus in these very specific ways. And Paul lists them for us. This is what it means to walk with Jesus. Here's the list. Galatians chapter five, verse 22, 23 says this. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Ready? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's no laws against these things. Meaning, what Paul's dealing with in Galatia, he's mad at them, he's mad at the church, they've lost their way. But what's going on in the church is people come along and said, you really wanna follow after God, you know what you need to do? You need to be circumcised. You know what you need to do? You need to follow all these old dietary issues in the Old Testament. You need to to become this so that you can become that. Paul says, no, 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 no. There's no law, there's no law. The law under Jesus Christ is the law of what we call love. And when the Holy Spirit's guiding your lives, these things will become ever more present in you. So here's the question that God told me. He said, Matt, I want you to pray about which one of these you need to focus on in 2021. Here's the one he gave me. Self-control. Ah, I wish he hadn't said that. But here's where this came from. A few weeks ago, I sensed God put the burden. I am not. I feel like I'm not supposed to talk about this, but the Bible talks about it, so I'm gonna talk about it, so I'm just gonna share it. Okay, so a few weeks ago, God put the burden on my heart to spend some time fasting. I don't have time to dig into fasting right now, but fasting is where you give up something for something that is better. That's the best way to say it, but most of the time in the Bible, it's literally giving up food. Jesus fasted for 40 days, 40 nights. Most likely, he had water. It doesn't say real specifically, but he went out into the wilderness, and he was tempted by the enemy. And I just felt this God saying, I want you to go without food. So for some reason, I said, okay, I'm gonna go 36 hours without food. First eight to 12, no problem. Big deal, right? That's no different than doing a, a, what do they call that? Intermittent fasting, right? All right. So the next next eight hours or so, a little bit harder. Wasn't that bad? Got the 24 hours piece of cake, about 24, maybe 25 hours in. My family's eating dinner and I'm making spaghetti for everybody because my wife is frantically trying to get some things done around the house. No big deal. But spaghetti is like one of my top one favorite meal of all time. And so... I'm making this for them and we've got some new sauce and I wasn't sure my kids were going to eat it. <clears throat> That's my excuse. And I had to heat it up and I had to make sure wasn't so hot that it was going to burn them. And so I was like, God, you'll forgive me. I'm just going to touch it to my tongue and make sure that it's not too hot and make sure that the flavor is such that they will eat this. And my mouth came alive with flavor. It was like, oh my Lord, this is amazing. Now, The part that I'm most embarrassed about is not only did I decide to break my fast, the kids didn't like the sauce, and I ate all of the spaghetti. And I am not joking. A half a box of spaghetti. Not joking. And then, I'm sitting in my chair, feeling really sluggish and plump, and I say to my wife, I think I have self-control issues. And it wasn't that eating spaghetti is bad, And it wasn't that God was angry at me. I could have set the fast for 24 hours. Almost all biblical fasts are 24 hours. Nobody told me I had to go 36 hours. I set that, and I've gone 36 hours before, but my flesh cried out to be fed. And so what God has been whispering to me over the last three weeks is, I want you to focus on this. There's this moment, the reason I told you the word sarks. there's this moment in the New Testament where um, Jesus is about to be arrested And he's grabbed the disciples, if you know the story, and he's taken them into the garden, and he he says, I want you to pray with me. Now, they don't understand the weight of the moment. And he takes some of the disciples, the three closest to him, Peter, James, and John, he takes them and says, about a stone's throw further, and he he puts them there, he says, I want you to pray with me. Then he goes about a stone's throw away from that, and he starts kneeling down to pray. And he comes back and he finds them sleeping. And he wakes them up, and he says, can you not even keep watch with me for one hour? One hour, you can't even give me an hour? I mean, Jesus, i will give you 24, all right? You can't even give me an hour? And then he says this, the spirit is willing, the sark's is weak. It's the same word, it's the same word. See, when your flesh cries out to be fed, all of a sudden, you'll stop living for God. Do you know what happens to everybody when you fast? You get hungry. And you know what happens? I just saw a meme this week. 80% of all fights have happened because somebody hasn't eaten yet. What happens when you don't eat is not only does your flesh cry out, but you get grumpy, don't you? You get moody, you get impatient. And so what happens when your flesh desires something, even something good like food, if you're going to walk with Jesus and become more like Jesus, you know what you're gonna find? You're gonna to have to not eat and you're gonna to have to learn to walk with the spirit and still please God. And the only way that's possible is to walk in step with the spirit. There's a point where Jesus is at a well and uh, he sends the disciples off to go get food and he has this conversation with a Samaritan woman. You may or may not know the story and she's got a really kind of broken life. She's got um, these five men that she's been married to and has been divorced from, and she's currently in a relationship with a guy who's not her husband, which could mean she's committing adultery with that guy, or it could mean that she's just with another guy and she's dating and messing around with him. And the reason she's at the well at this hot hour, everybody comes in the morning when it's cool, is because she carries shame and everybody judges her and knows how hard her life is. And Jesus shows up at that well at that exact moment, and that came because he was in a quiet time with God and God told him where to be and when to be there. And so he shows up there and he's on God's agenda and on God's time. And he has a conversation with her. And next thing you know, he's winning her to believe in him as the Messiah. And she goes back to Samaria and starts telling everybody about him. She's the first carrier of the good news. And she's this woman nobody wants to be with because they're judging her for her life. And when the disciples show up with food, they're like, hey, Jesus, we got some Subway sandwiches. And Jesus looks at them and says, I have food to eat that you don't know anything about. And they think he has food hidden in his clothes somewhere what Jesus is trying to communicate to them. What God is doing through me is, the food that I have is to do the will of my Father. In other words, missing some actual food, it's not that hard when I'm walking in step with God. So one of my goals for this year is to walk in step with the Spirit in such a way that even when my flesh cries out, even when I'm saying, I I can't make it today without caffeine, God goes, yes, you can. That's one of my issues. Some of you went, oh, pastor, don't go there. Don't go there. I thought you loved me. When God says fast for 36 hours or three days or whatever he leads me to this year, that I'm able to do it because I'm leaning into him. Make sense? I don't know what God's saying to you. Let me give you some quick ones that God has said to me just to give you some direction for what I'm doing in 2021. One of the things God said to me as I started to pursue him was that he wanted me to uh, see my family, love and trust Jesus more in 2020. Sorry, I said that wrong, 2021, that he wants me to do that. I put down some ways, so we'll get to this throughout this series, but I just started putting some markers in there. This year, my goal is to do three one-on-one dates with each of my kids. I have three kids. That's nine dates, but that takes time. Each of those takes two to three hours plus planning, but I want to see that become a reality. They're going to watch the service next, and so now they can hold me accountable, but that's my goal. And We didn't do that in 2020 because we couldn't go anywhere. But I'm gonna make it a reality. Even if it just means the two of us come here to the church and hang out in my office, we're going to do this. I'm gonna to commit to doing eight to 10 dates with just my wife because she's really beautiful and I'm really blessed and it's good for my family. I wanna see my family love Jesus more and as the leader in my home, I wanna draw them into the presence of God. So I'm going to him to get what I need to give to them what they need. There's a bunch of others. I don't need to go through this, but there's one more on this one that I just want to share quickly. God convicted me about, about 60 days ago to let go of Facebook and let go of video games. So I deleted all but one video game off my phone because it's like the one game that takes five minutes and I play it and I'm done. And God's even telling me, why don't you let that one go too? And it's hard. My kids love video games. Hey, Dad, why don't you play video games with us? I'm like, I'm gonna tap out on this. But Facebook... And now I got like our media team going, hey, we wanna get you on Instagram and we wanna get you. i like, guys, I don't, I don't know that it's gonna happen because I am taking so much time away from life by living this fake life in the digital world and, and I don't always know what to do with that. And so what I know is I'm trying to be on it less so that I could be more available because God has said, disciple your family first. And I don't know how that sits with you. Maybe nobody needs that word today, but I'm gonna guess some of you do. All right, here's one of the other things God said to me. I want you to intentionally invest in others who invest in others. Does that make sense? At one point, Paul tells Timothy, make good on the investment I made in you. It's a banking term. He actually says in the Greek, I made an investment in you, and I want you to bring about a surplus. I want you to bring about money on the investment I made. Well, it's not real money. It's life, life on life. So my goal this year is I want to invest in three pastors or missionaries in a way that's restorative and a blessing to them. The Bible says, if you bless others, you yourself will be blessed. So I've set a financial goal. I'm not going to share that goal so the left hand doesn't know what the right hand doing, but I set a, an aggressive financial goal that's going to take me me being sacrificial in my own life in order to invest in the lives of other people. And I'm already trying to make that plan come about in somebody else's life because I feel like God has told me to do this. It's just something I wanna do to please God and encourage others who are doing the work of God. So here's the other thing. Every time God brings a name to mind this year, I'm gonna stop and text that person and say, hey, I want you to know I'm praying for you. I've already been living it out starting at the end of last year. And it's cool because one day I did it. God put two names on my heart. He didn't put a thousand names. He put two names on my heart. I texted both those pastors and said, hey, I just want you to know God put your name on my heart. I'm praying for you. And the other one wrote back. He's like, oh my gosh, you would not believe the timing. And then they told me a little story. And I thought, man, I love when God speaks and we're responsive. God intends to work in the world and who does he wanna use? you. Is it possible that when you get a name on your mind, it's not an accident? Is it possible when you just are sitting there talking to a friend, you go, I don't know why, but you want to go to lunch sometime? Is it possible that's not just you? That's actually God saying, I want you to get together with that person for a reason you don't even now see or know. Will you be responsive when God speaks? All right, here's just a couple other quick others. got to put on my heart. There's a lot more, but God told me this year to seek out mentors who could teach me about evangelism and church leadership. God put a name on my heart. I don't even know why. He put the name of one of the largest churches in the United States. And the pastor recently retired. And so I reached out to a mutual friend. I said, look, I don't, I don't know this guy. I've never met this guy. Um, do you happen to have a cell phone? <laughs> you know, because the guy who leads a church of 30,000 people is sitting around waiting for one more person to text them. And he said, sure. I said, do you think of mine? He goes, I don't know. You can always try. <laughs> So I texted him out of the blue and he said, can you talk in 90 minutes? I said, I don't know. I said, Rachel, can I talk in 90 minutes? She's like, yes. So not only did we talk for an hour, it was like, I couldn't keep up. He was just pouring out 30, 40 years of wisdom of church leadership over me. And I'm like, holy cow. I'm like, I gotta bring this guy out of my church. Like, I'm just writing as fast as I can. And it all becomes one day, God put a name on my heart. God knew an issue I wanted to grow in and he put a name on my heart. And I decided, why not just see if it's even possible to bring that about? Is anybody getting anything out of this besides me? Yes. Yes. yes, yes. Man. All right. There's a bunch of others, but I'm going to share one more. God has told me this year, he wants me to lead Kingsway into the dark and hurting world with bold obedience to Jesus Christ. Over the last three or four months at Kingsway, we've been working through an unstuck process. Unstuck is the name of the group. The pastor wrote a book called Unstuck, and then he leads an organization called Unstuck. And it's taken a lot, a lot, a lot of hard hearts. Part of the reason I got really tired at the end of last year is because we were putting in a lot of hours in addition to what we normally do to figure out where God wants to take this church. And so I can't wait until February 28th on our vision night. And then for the following four weeks, we'll cover in great detail where we think God wants to take us, especially over the next 12 months, but over the next five years. And I gotta be honest, here's the core of this for me. There's a lot of people who are distant from God right now. And they're dying and they're going to hell. And if you're one of those people visiting, this isn't a statement of judgment. It's that it keeps me up at night. I've got, I don't know, if God blesses me, what do I have? 40 left years left on this earth? I'm probably at my halfway point, let's call it. I don't know. I mean, if I'm lucky. I'm thinking sometime in the next 40 years, I'm gonna say Synara to my kids and grandkids. I'm gonna go be with Jesus forever and it's gonna be glorious for me. But there's gonna be a lot of people that I meet every day that aren't gonna be there. And I hope that makes you uncomfortable. I hope that eats at you, because if we believe what the Bible says is real about life after this life, it ought to cause you not to sleep good at night. Guys, I wouldn't wish hell on my worst enemy. And God told me sometime late last year, we need to do a series on heaven and hell to remind us all again why we do what we do, because it'll drive you to make sure you don't waste a conversation. And you don't waste a lunch appointment and you don't ignore that voice in your head and you send that text message because you never know when the next one is the one that God intended to use to drive somebody to him. And I'm terrified to stand there one day and look across the aisle, the sheep or the goats or whichever there are and say, how did you not know? And they'll say, well, you didn't tell me. May 2021 be the year that whatever God calls us to do, no matter how hard or awkward or uncomfortable, we're obedient. Now, how do I come to this list? And again, my list is bigger than this. How do I come to this list for this year? Do you know how? Because I know my why. I know why I exist in the world. I know what God wants to do in me. God has already confirmed in me what he wants me to do. And you may not have that. So you might be feeling stressed and overwhelmed about I got all these goals and things I want to accomplish. And great, how do I discern that? That's the next three weeks, okay? So don't stress. You don't have to have all the answers by today. Pick up the book. Go to the website. I wanted you to get conviction today. But Andy Stanley, a pastor down in Alpharetta, Georgia, he said this great phrase. He said, When you lose your why, you lose your way. When you lose your why, you lose your way. What is your why? Why do you exist? Why are you here? And for me, it's to bring the glory of God to earth. That's why I'm here. But at the end of the day, all of these plans that I've written down, talked to my wife about all these plans, They're just plans. God has the right to direct my heart and my life in this church any way that He sees fit. Proverbs 14 22 says this If you plan to do evil, you will be lost. If you plan to do good, you will receive unfailing love and faithfulness. Work brings profit, but mere talk leads to poverty. In other words, make good plans but make good plans. Not like your plans are gonna be perfect because everything you do is gonna be guided by unfailing love and faithfulness from God. Just make plans, good plans, plans to do good in the world. Don't plan to cheat in your business. Don't plan to not work hard. Don't plan to be unfaithful. Plan to do good and then let God bring about unfailing love and faithfulness. And then you've gotta get to work. Work brings profit. If you just talk about it, It leads to poverty. Nothing good is gonna come of it. You gotta actually put some rubber to the road. You gotta take steps, which is gonna lead us to my final point today. Ready? Don't overestimate what you could do in a year and underestimate what you could do in 10 years. And here's the wisdom of that. Most of us start thinking about what we wanna do in 2021 and the reality is we overestimate the next 12 months. There are only so many hours in a day. There's only so many days in a week, weeks in a month and months in a year. Right? We know those numbers. There's only so much money that you have. There's only so much margin that you have. You, everybody, get ready to say this with me. You're going to repeat after me in a minute. You are not the savior of the world. So, in a minute, I'm gonna have you say this with me. If you're watching at home, you can look like a complete idiot saying this to your TV and your family room. But some of y'all need this. In a minute, we're gonna to say it together, I am not the Savior of the world. On three, it's gonna be extremely cathartic and healing for all of us. Ready? One, two, three. I am not the Savior of the world. What's his name? Jesus. It's Jesus. So, I don't have to save everybody. I don't have to fix everything. I don't have to be in control of everything. I can simply do today whatever God has asked me to do, what he's laid on me, my heart to do, the plans that he set in place, and I can trust him that he has it in his hands. I don't have to make my kids do everything. There's a certain amount, we'll talk about this over the next month. There's a certain amount of things that I have to do to lead them, but at the end of the day, they have to choose Jesus. They have to choose Jesus. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do and he will show you which path to take. Now, I hope you feel thoroughly frustrated that you don't know what God yet wants to do in 2021. And I hope that drives you to keep coming back To go put in some hours with God, to maybe even fast and find out that the Spirit was willing to speak to you. What I wanna do right now is enter into His presence and give you a chance to have that conversation. Hopefully, you grab communion on your way in. If you are sitting at home right now, it's okay to just run, grab some bread and juice. Or if you want to, save this for later today, carve out some time with God and sit with Him. Do not feel frustrated if you don't know what to do next. Just start jotting some things down. I think God, it says this. I think it means this. And again, we will walk through it all over the next few weeks. So right now, in your communion time, simply begin a conversation with God. I'm gonna start a prayer and I'm gonna hand it to you. And then whatever you feel the, the need to do business with God, do it. If you've got a sin, you need to leave in 2020, I get it, we're a few days in. But leave it right here, right now. And eat this bread and take this juice. And remember, your redemption came through the blood of Jesus Christ, his body given on the cross. Let me start a prayer, and then when you're ready, you take communion. Heavenly Father, there's some people in here right now, God, um, that need to hear your voice right here, right now, and know that wherever they are, whatever they're going through, you're not done with them yet. So Lord, my prayer right now is that you would come and meet us in this place. You're here, you are literally here. You're not just some far off, way off, big, powerful, creator, spiritual thing that we can't see or taste or touch. You are right here. So God, whether we need love or joy or peace or patience or kindness or goodness or faithfulness or gentleness or self-control, Father, I pray right now that you would meet us in this place and whisper it to us. May we be great leaders in our home and great servants in our workplace. May we be like you and be more like you at the end of this year, whether the virus lasts or not, whether the economy collapses or not. May we partner with you to bring heaven to earth.